As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shall never be slaves. Never, 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 never be slaves. Except at at school we had this, must have been politically correct or something, because they used to say, instead of Britons, never, never, never shall be slaves. In the PC school book, it was Britons, never, never, never shall be married to a mermaid at the bottom of a deep blue sea. Never could understand that. Hello to my little mermaid friends, wherever you may be. Mary, oh, my teapot is a mermaid. Is she? Do you care? And she was upset the other day on Facebook that um, people said, why don't mermaids look like Daryl Hannah instead of something or another? And I said, Daryl Hannah, she was only in it for the... I don't know what, money. Hello, my little darlings. I've been... I was a bit ill and I... um, So I'm a bit late doing this one. I'm sorry. I've still got a bit of a raspy, but I'm otherwise... Had a couple of days flatten me back. Lucky old you, I hear you say... Hello to Mark Kirby, who uh, took the time to email this crazy little podcast, and I've been promising to do something or another, and here's his little thing that he emailed. Hi, Rob, listening to the back catalogue now. I just got to episode 15. Well, that's no bloody good. Did an iTunes review for UK. Fuck. I like that. Please send those iTunes uh, reviews in. But only if they're five stars. Don't write one and say this show sucks. Because why are you downloading it if you hate it? Uh, for year last week. And I'm loving, the, I'm loving the podcast. Hope you are not too famous now to be receiving fan mail. No, don't worry, I'm not. Anyway, keep up the good work. You should have put that in inverted commas. Brackets, I know you will as I've seen the latest podcasts come in. And hope you've got lots more for us poms. Shouldn't that be pommies? Apples. Pum. Pum. Many more of us are listening now. That's why I just sang you the little... And I wrote back, Good on you, Mark. I'm never too busy for my large throbbing Cockney fans. Although I don't think he's a Cockney. Spread the word. You are now part of my unholy army. And then he wrote back and he said... Um, 
now up to episode 18 and finally remembered what I wanted you to talk to you about. When you made a joke about electing the wrong person, i.e. a politician, and on an episode you were moaning a bit about compulsory voting in Australia... No, I wasn't moaning about being compulsory in Australia. No, I, I don't think I was moaning about I think it's a good thing. Um, was I? Did you think I was moaning about compulsory? I wasn't, I, I, unless I've misconstrued myself. But no, I'm actually quite in favour of compulsory voting. I think I might have said somewhere where you look at compulsory voting isn't around and usually it's a shithole. Um, I think you are lucky and I wish we had it here. Let me explain. Uh, like you, we were massively disappointed with the lack of choice in our elections. As you may say, they are all professional politicians and therefore by knowing uh, what they'll have to do to get selected should not be allowed any many political office. I do joke a lot, Mark. I am actually in favour of um, compulsory voting. I don't know, maybe you, maybe I, I could have. Sometimes I've said things and then listened back and thought, that's not what I meant to say at all. So back to my point, if voting were compulsory, then surely if enough of us spoil the ballot paper, then uh, that would be registered and mean something. So unless you're not allowed to spoil your ballot paper in Australia, um, I'm not sure about that. I think you're not supposed to, but I, I guess they can't find it. I think if you were caught, but how you could be caught, I'm not sure, because it's supposed to be in the privacy of your own little cardboard receptacle. Yes, we beef up security here. Well, it is a cattle country, as you would well know. Um, you're not allowed to spoil your ballot paper in Oz. I think people who really want none of the above options should be encouraged to spoil their paper and tell politicians what you mean by it. Well, what do you think? Happy for you to share this. Um, uh, well, yeah, that, well, fair enough then. You could write none of the but You could scribble whatever you like, unless, of course, I'm encouraging people to break the law in which case I would never do that, but it's up to you what you do in your little cardboard receptacle. Although it's not completely enclosed, they can see the back of you. So should you decide to, uh, you know, don't, because they will know. They will know. Help you to seal the envelope anyway. Um, yes, so I don't know how you got that idea that you thought um, I was against compulsory voting. I might have said um, the argument that some people put... That if, that if voting wasn't compulsory, it would make politicians work harder to get your vote because they would realise that you're not forced to go there. So therefore, in order for you to go and pledge your support and vote in the correct lizard, they would have to work harder to get your vote. I might have said that in 18. You've got to remember, it's not as easy to be as confused as I am, you know? Oh, here we go, and seven days ago... Oh, and another thing, says Mark Kirby. I realised I've been to Mount Gambia. It's uh, Mount Gambia, not with an IA, it's with an IER or something. In the late 80s, I was getting mixed up with Mount Isa. Yes, aren't we all? Every time I go to Mount Isa, I get very confused. She just keeps rejecting me. Uh, and I was looking up Ballarat. Were you, you filthy swine? Did you have a mirror on your shoe when you were doing that? And looking up Hamilton, where I stayed a few weeks, and then I saw Mount Gambia, or Mount Gambia, just over the border into SA, which for our overseas people stands for something or another. No, South Australia. And remembered the wired blue, the weird blue lake. I think that's what you're saying. Um, perhaps we passed on each other on the street. Ooh, spooky. 
Well, it would have been very spooky in the late 80s for us to pass each other on the street, Mark, because I didn't live there yet. I was still living in Melbourne in the late 80s. We didn't get besotted with Mount Gambier until 1994, something like that, 1993. So it would have been very spooky should we have walked past each other. In I would have been astral travelling. However, if you did go to Melbourne, you could have walked past me there. And speaking of the Blue Lake, the funny thing, of course, about Mount Gambier is every new business that opens is usually called the Blue Lake something or another. They used to have Blue Lake lemonade there. I think they still do, but it's not made by a local mob with copious amounts of blue food colouring in it. (laughs) There was the Blue Lake Cafe, the Blue Lake Tire Business, the Blue Lake Pub, the Blue Lake this. I know, let's open a business. What should we call it? Oh, let's call it the Blue Lake Massage Parlour. Yes, that's a good idea. And things like that made me very glad I live in Ballarat. But Mark Kirby, thank you very much. And I noticed your email starts with Mark and Jane. I know another Mark and Jane, but we haven't spoken for some years. But anyway, um, thank you for... Yes, I'm not too busy. I'm never too busy for you now. I should really, while I've got your thing up here, reply to you, shouldn't I? Click here to reply. Okay. I'm mentioning you. Whoops, I've spelt it wrong. Doesn't matter. I'll leave it spelt wrong so when you hear it, you'll know that I'm spelling it wrong. On the latest podcasty. With lots of E's, which will be EP35C. And then I'll put C. You. Whoops, I've spelled it Yapoo. I'll keep it Yapoo. Key you real soon. Mouseketeer. Mouseketeer. Yeah, you'll, you'll work that out. And I'll now press send. And now you'll have that back. Welcome along, folks. Uh, I was, uh, I was, I was a bit ill. We went away. Oh God! Oh man! Oh man! We went away on the weekend. The kid was um, went to his little scout camp for a Friday and Saturday night, and the missus and I thought, oh, "What a great idea! We got shot of the little, and um, we should go away." So we did. We went uh, near to the area where I used to live before I lived in Melbourne, and. Um, my wife saw this thing on the web and it said the, you know, well, I won't give the name of the place exactly, but it might as well have said the Royston Vasey Guest House. <laughs> because it had a touch of it, I'll tell you. If you don't know the League of Gentlemen, Royston Vasey, well, if you can't work it out, just Google it. And um, it said, you know, like little self-contained bed and breakfasty things. And we thought, oh, yeah, that sounds good. It sounds like you've got your own little lockable area sort of thing or maybe they're like little unity things that are away and then you come and you get like your breakfasts yes that's what we thought and so uh, exhausted we got up way way too late to even go shopping in the little village by the time we got there everything was shut and we went to our little guest housey thing and um and we got there, and this and this lady greeted us, and it was a bit like, "Oh, Royston Vasey!" <laughs> and she made us. She said, "Oh, she'll make you coffee, and everything." And I, she goes, "It's plunger. It's good." So we thought, "Oh, well, that's good," because you know, other than plunger, or you think it's a bit, you know. And um, she said, "I shall. I shall just bring that up to you now." <laughs> 
and she brought it up, and it was one of those coffees where they add flavour to it. Yes, I can see your mouth shrinking up like little sphincters right now. So it had sort of a vanilla or something in there, which I can't stand. Anyway, I thought, oh, well, it won't be too bad because we, we bring it from Aldi, actually. Aldi, quite good. Every now and again, they sell a coffee plunger that's not glass because, like, every time I have a glass coffee plunger, you're probably the same yourself. You'll swill it out in the sink or rinse it, and you've only got to tap that thin glass on just like the tap or something and smash no more coffee plungers. So every now and again, Audi, as they do in their rotating schedule, have a metal one. It's all metal. And so, you know, you can't really break it. Although I did have a handle fall off one, but luckily for me, I'd bought a couple at the time when they were cheap because they were only eight bucks. And so we always take that with us because wherever we go, if we go or stay in hotels or whatever, there's always a kettle, you know, and you can make yourself a coffee in the room. And so we thought, that's all right, we'll tolerate. And she goes, and I'll bring you a muffin too. She took us to the upstairs parlour. And I kept thinking of that Monty Python sketch um, where they're all sitting in the uh, boarding house and, you know, Adolf Hitler and Himmler and all them are hiding out there, whatever her name was. Oh, yes, they love it here, don't they? Next, next, yeah. Yeah, talk to me, you Nazi. But anyway, so it's sort of a cross between that and Royston Vasey. And I'm sort of, and she says, so she brings that up and, and she's, she goes, I've also brought up some muffins. Now, I hate muffins. I really do. But you, you don't want to sort of say, oh, no, not fucking muffins. Have you got anything else? Because you're you, like, when I don't know about you, but when you go away for sort of the romantic weekend, or even if it's not a romantic, even if you just go away, the great thing about your motel room is that you can just kind of lock the door and then the rest of the world's on the outside of the door and you're on the inside of the door and you can make yourself at home because it's just you and your loved ones or if it's just you by yourself it might be some sort of inflatable product I don't mind that's up to you I don't care what you do as long as it doesn't hurt me I don't mind or it maybe it does hurt me and I might like it but that's a whole thing for another day but um so so she comes up and and she's got the tray and the plunger coffee and I'm thinking oh yeah coffee not knowing that I'm going to drink drink this revolting horrible coffee and I hate muffins I really hate muffins I reckon I would get a craving for a bit of muffin as opposed to crumpet probably once every 10 years and um so she's like she's trying to be friendly and everything and that's cool but I'm already feeling like I'm feeling like I'm at some sort of stiff sort of auntie's house. Like, I know that I can't, like, let a fart go into the couch because it's going to be serious. And there's all these other bedrooms, and it's sort of, it's not sealed off at all. And and the worst of it was we're upstairs, and with a heart condition, I don't do stairs very well. So I do a couple of stairs, and then I'm like... <gasps> And for some reason, people do tend to find that amusing. I don't know why. I think they think you're just overacting it. Oh, look at him. He's pretending like the stairs are really steep. <laughs> no, they are bloody steep. And I'm having trouble breathing. Anyway, um, so she, so she's got a couple of old books on the, on the bench. Uh, and these are like, uh, well, I guess if I name the book, it's not really identifying... One was the Coles Book of Humor or something or another, and there was this other one 
So I sort of picked up the Coles book and I've gone, oh yeah, I've seen this a million times and I'm just about to throw it back on the table when she goes, oh, that's a great book, that is. Have you ever seen that book? It's hilarious. And I went, yeah, yeah, I I have actually seen it quite a number of times. Oh, I laugh and laugh and laugh when when I pick that book up, even though I've read it so many times. It's so funny. And I went, "Mm mm-hmm, yep. I mean, I was trying to feign being interested, but I really wasn't because I was already feeling like totally on edge. I'm thinking she's got the sort of guest housey thing with the communal kitchen, which is going to be in a totally separate part of the building, or even we're going to have our own little flatetty things, and we're not going to feel like she's in it. So I'm already like feeling like, and then the muffins come. And then she goes, look at that other one. There's this book, Cinderella Dressed in Yellow. Now, that's a really interesting book because when that was released, it never got released because it was considered too risque and naughty. And I'm thinking, oh, please shut up. (laughs) And then I look over in the bookcase and there's all sorts of um, wild and wacky new agey books, including Christ the Healer, which is not like taking, I don't think, the biblical sort of thing of Christ, but taking it from the new agey perspective and everything and then and then so she says okay just make yourself at home feel like you're at home and i'm thinking i can't feel like i'm at home because you're here you know i don't know you you probably might be different but it's the same when and i'm thinking make myself at home oh right okay well i'll just shove the remote control up my bum for the tv then if i want to feel at home how would you like that? And Or I shall rub my bum along the carpet the way a dog does when it has worms. Or I shall just get naked now and sit on the couch. I can't really make myself at home because I don't actually feel like I am at home. I now feel like I've already got gas building up in me. I won't be able to poo properly for the entire time that I'm away. Because, I don't know, you go away sometimes and you can't poo. It's like if you plan a big day, somehow you've got to go somewhere or do something and that's the day you always get the worst constipation it's like your bum knows it's like your bum has a few brain cells of its own and it knows so we're already tired we're exhausted we're getting there and and i think all right and so there'd been a mix-up booking our restaurant and so she went downstairs because oh let me take care of your booking and everything so she went downstairs to do all that and then I'm trying to drink and then I have the first sip of the coffee thinking, oh, this will save me. And oh, oh no, it's got like vanilla flavor. It's terrible. So I'm thinking, never mind, we'll get to our room in a minute and there'll be a kettle in there and we'll be able to make our own coffee. Now we've got to be nice, right? So my wife goes, just before she leaves, she goes, oh, muffins, yummy. And she proceeds to start eating them. And as the woman leaves, I said, I hate muffins. And she goes, Yes, so do I, but don't, you don't want to be rude. So eventually our room's sort of just across from this upstairsy sort of di- uh, living area and there are three or four other bedrooms there and I look just into those bedrooms because all the doors are open and I notice one doesn't have a bathroom, the other one does and I'm thinking, how does this all work? But our room does have the ensuite, so I'm thinking, that's okay, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's a good thing, we'll get in there. There'll be a kettle, there'll be whatever, because <laughs> there will be. Uh, so we we go to our room, and there's no kettle. 
and we take the she goes my wife goes we'll take the tray with us anyway so we get inside there and i'm stuffing a plastic bag with rubbish and stuff and my wife goes here put, put the muffins in here and when we go out we can throw them in a bin we don't want her to think that we didn't like them and i said but i don't like them she goes yes but we don't want her to think that and i'm thinking we are paying for this aren't we <laughs> You know, I mean, we are paying for this. So we go into the room, and luckily I notice there's a key on the other side of the door, thank goodness, on our side, that is. And I'm thinking, well, she'll have a duplicate key anyway, but at least we can lock the door. So there's a door, there's the room, then there's a door to the toilet, which then has another room, which is a shower. Now, the shower was good. It had auto-dispensing, like, shampoo and body wash, and you just press the little button, and that was good. And uh, the toilet was reasonably good, except for the fact that it was one of those toilets where somebody's decided, let's save what, let's save the world, man, by making this like a really, you know, efficient flushing toilet by not having too much water in the cistern. Well, the great thing about that is you usually have to flush the fecker three times to actually get stuff to go down it because there's not enough water to push everything down there. So, (laughs) where was I? Oh, yes. Now, the door to the toilet, or the door to the shower, which still, it's hard to explain, but you come through the door to go into the room. Then if you turn hard left, there's another door to to the bathroom, which is the toilet first. You walk through that. There's no door to the shower. But in the shower, there's another door that faces on to the hallway you just came through. Now, that door has a huge pane of glass in it to the shower. Yes. It's sort of frosty, but sort of not. It's frosty in little patches, and then there are little dots of perfectly clear glass. Now, the frosty is not that frosty. You can see right through that door. And if you align your eye where the little clear dots of glass are, you can see everything. Now, luckily, luckily, there's like a pull-down blind on a little chainy thing. Okay, so that's down, and that's more or less, more or less, sometimes less, rather than more blocking off the view to the shower by anyone who's walking through the hall. But because the blind doesn't quite fit the glass, you kind of had to moisten it and push it against the window. Otherwise, if it flapped, people can see you in the shower if they really crane around. Okay, that's whatever. And the door, if you go back towards where the bedroom is, that's the same sort of door with the same glass, but that has a blind on it as well, which would block off the toilet. Now, that's not so bad because it's only you in the room and no one else has views for that. Okay, cool. But the door to the actual bedroom has exactly the same frosty glass with all the clear dots that you can see right through, and you can see through the frosty bits as well. There's no blind on that. None. And it has a clear view of the double bed. And I'm talking a clear view. My wife wandered back into like where the loungy room bit and she said, you stand against the door from inside there and tell me if you can see me in the lounge room looking out through the bedroom. So she sort of wandered down to where the end of the hall was and I waved to her and she waved back. And then she walked back to the door and she goes, you can see everything. And I said funny about that so we have like 
if someone's in the toilet or the shower or whatever, they're, they're, they're secluded. And if someone's in the toilet, they're secluded from whoever would happen to be in the room, which would only be your nearest and dearest anyway. But the room to the hall, which has the absolute view of the bed, you can completely see through. There's no blind on the back of it to pull down. So we're, we're, we're by this stage, I said, now I don't know much about Motel 6s. So you always hear Americans say, hey, I'm, a, I'm at the local Motel 6. Now, I'm assuming the Motel 6, I'm just going to enter it in here, is like just one of those highway sort of motor ins. They're nothing flashy. Yeah, here we go. Hotel 6, a chain of budget motels. So, <laughs> I'm assuming, yeah, there they are. You, I've got a picture of them on Wikipedia. And I said to and and, and I said, um, you know, as as beautiful and as old worldy as this place is, I said to my wife, couldn't we have just booked a room at the Motel Six? Because you know it's one hundred and sixty five bucks to stay here, which is not excessive, but our Motel Six would have probably cost us about ninety nine dollars. And I said, by the way, have you noticed? And she said, yes. There's no kettle in the room. And my wife went, yeah, you're right, there's nothing. And I said, no, there's no kettle in the room. So we can't even make our own coffee in here. We've either got to go out and buy it or we've we've got to have that revolting vanilla rubbish that she's serving, which she's just said is so lovely. <laughs> or we've got to be rude enough to go and demand that she uses our coffee. And neither of us had the guts to do that. <laughs> now, I don't know. To, to some people, you're listening to me and you're thinking, what's he complaining about? It would have been lovely. Now, that's fair enough. And if you're a commercial traveler or something who travels on your own, it probably is lovely to be there because you have you have the 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 interaction of the other people around you and you might be lonely, but not necessarily if you're a couple. You know what I'm saying? Now, without giving away too many secrets, folks, I don't lay down for very long. <laughs> Enjoy your own conclusions. No, but because I have uh, chronic heart failure and brain failure most of the time, the problem is you get very fluidy, and a lot of people who have it report the same thing that I do, that if you try and lay down, you, you end up coughing and you're spluttering and you, because your lungs get all wheezy and chesty. So whilst I might lay down for a little while, I always have like a recliner or a couch or something so I can sleep in a, in a more upright position because it helps, okay? So usually wherever we go, we, we, we do sort of ring ahead and see if we can't make sure there's some sort of comfy upright reclining type chair sort of in the room so that I can sort of alternate and I can get into there now luckily and I'll leave this to your own imagination that chair if you left the sort of toilet door open with the blind on it completely obscured the view to the completely see-through door that was looking through to the double bed okay so the chair kind of came in handy if you know what I mean okay because it's the only place you could hide. Eee, boy, oh boy. And um, so we thought, no, look, we'll make the best of it. We'll make the best of it. We're here now. So um, 
eventually we we came we we want well, I didn't say I want to use that word we came down we walked downstairs feeling somewhat disheveled and yet refreshed at the same time and um the booking for the restaurant was originally for seven it got made for six by mistake then it got changed to six thirty by the time we got there we said we might even make it seven thirty because we've cut, we've arrived so late and there's stuff we want to do so as my wife and I wandered downstairs to try and run the gauntlet to get out of there, to get to our car, to get out of there, to get some, to feel like we're not. And I said, I looked up at the smoke detector in the room too, and I said, wouldn't it be funny if they've decked this joint out with cameras? Because did you notice the room when we wandered past had the laptop and the computer stuff? So it's only an outside choice, a chance, but you know. I mean, when we moved to Ballarat, there was a business called... I can't mention the business now because it exists anymore. And when we lived over the border in Myangamia, which was hundreds of kilometres away, we could barely get Ballarat TV. And there was always ads for... can't mention the business name because they're still there and I'm not sure. A car to us and we'll turn it into a hoonmobile. We'll have your Commodore burning out in people's streets at 3am in no time. You can be a social menace at... can't mention the business just in... We used to see this ad for ages, and I think just before we moved here, the guy who ran it got busted because he had hidden cameras in the ladies' toilets. And somehow he'd got done... Somehow people had found the video files on his computer somewhere. Anyway, then the business didn't exist anymore. I better just check to see the business... I'm pretty sure the business doesn't exist anymore. Just let me double-check this. Can't mention the business now because apparently it does exist, but I'm pretty sure it was. I remember him getting done for it. Can't mention the business now. I'm I'm overdubbing this as we speak. And then I say a bit more of the business had to cut that bit out. Mints's Ballarat. Oh, it's still listed in there. Oh, shit. They are still going, are they? Oh, they are still going. Oh, okay. Um, let me just put this here. Hidden camera. Do 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 Oh what a bummer. Um don't think it made the internet. That's annoying. Just hang on, I'll have to just go back and remove the name of the business. Okay, you heard me removing the name of the business. I did, because I guess whoever's there now I, uh, probably wasn't involved in it. Maybe they sold it on to someone else. But I know it was. I know it was. I know, I know, I know. But it didn't make... How can... How can... How can something as important as that not make the internet? Anyway, I did. So anyway, I was worried <laughs> that at this Royston Facey guest house... They may have had those cameras. I don't know. Anyway, she wasn't laughing when we came downstairs, so maybe she, perhaps she hadn't seen anything. I don't know. She wasn't chuckling. But but anyway, so we wander past in an effort to sneak out, and I, I my, my wife went first, and I was hobbling away. And then I hear her say, Yes, couldn't make the booking for 7.30. Had to make it for 8.30. I called up to you. But I don't think your husband heard me. And then we were thinking, called up to us. We snuck off to the room. Oh. <laughs> when she said she called up to us, did she wander up the stairs and look through the door? Not that she, she may have only seen ankles. I don't know. 
So it was all a bit off-putting and kind of strangely kind of in a way turn-on-ish too. You know what I mean? Sort of like a bit like sneaking around behind teacher's back. So kind of good in one way and kind of not as good in another way. Anyway, so um, we left Royston Vasey Guesthouse. And because of this experience, I can't mention too many names, but um, it was in the general vicinity of where we were going. So um, now that we had our 8.30 booking, which left us even more time, I decided we'd trek off down the freeway along and have a long little journey because there was nothing open in the town anymore. It was all shut. So I said to the missus, well, look, we've got, you know, hours to kill now because I can't remember what the time was. It was about half past five, something like that. And we don't have to do dinner till 8.30. We've got three whole hours. Now, <clears throat> if we drive a considerable distance, not too far, but still considerable, we can um, visit um, the house, well, the property where, where I grew up. Now, I I was at a... Um, a band rehearsal not so long ago, well, quite a, some time ago, of a band that doesn't really exist anymore because health-wise it's a bit hard to cut it. But um, a friend of mine who grew up around the corner from me, we were in the middle of like rehearsing for this thing, for this show. We were doing a tribute show for a friend of ours who tragically died, um, who had cancer. He was a Vietnam vet, really nice guy and everything, and we'd all been in a band at some point. So we decided to do a tribute show by getting various members of the band back together, even though we weren't in the band at the same time. But doesn't matter. We did it for him and for the families and stuff. And um, we're in the middle of this thing, and this mate of mine turns around and he goes, oh, by the way, they bulldozed your old house down. <laughs> I said, oh, this, so that's, that's nice. You've tactfully handled that so beautifully. You didn't didn't pull any punches. You just decided to tell me that the house that I was bloody well almost born in has been bulldozed, which I expected to happen anyway. And because, see, we grew up in a place called St Albans, as I said, a very, very low locality. And back in those days, my parents, we were so poor. We were so poor when I was... Old joke coming up. We were so poor when I was a boy that to get warm in winter, my father would suck a boiled lolly and we'd all have to stand around and warm our hands from the heat coming off his tongue. You go on, shall we do some more old jokes while we're at it? Shall we? Shall we? Shall we? Go on, let's do it. Uh, we were so poor when I was a boy that if on Christmas Day I didn't wake up with a tent pole, I had nothing to play with. We were so poor when I... No, that's enough now. So my parents, Cockneys from London, um, had a loan for their business and a loan for this. And back in them days, back in them old days... Banks didn't throw away money like they did during the recession we had to have. Oh, no, no, no. So when my parents bought this property in Mount Macedon for like a thousand pounds, we'd had this block, these blocks of land, which were worth nothing. And of course, now Mount Macedon is terribly hoity-toity, you know. Uh, we wanted to build a little house where little Robert could be raised away from the bad influences of St. Albans, where at six I was already learning to break into cars. Um... And they went to the bank and said, we like, we like loan money for us now against the property, what we've already got in St. Albans. And the bank manager said, you know, I've always loved you to your hardworking, good, salt-of-the-earth people. And the answer's no. No? No? He said, no, but what I will do, I won't loan you enough money to build a new house because I'm twiddling my moustache <laughs> as we speak uh, and putting on my top hat and my cape. 
Instead, I'll loan you enough money to slice your existing house into pieces, put it on the back of trucks and drive it up to your new property. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Recycling. So I had the joy of spending my entire childhood in the exact same house. It's just that we took it with us. We packed the linen and we packed this and we packed that. And then I remember as a little child, we were driving from our florist shop. Yes, all right. Driving from our florist shop to our property in Mount Macedon. And one of the trucks that had a portion of our house actually had broken down. So in the middle of Deer Park, which uh, is a much nicer sounding, or Sydenham actually, it was a much nicer sounding name than what it really was. Now in those, nowadays it's a sea of houses, but in those days it was volcanic rocks and scotch thistles and, um, and not much else and sweeping desert winds and a train station in the middle of nowhere. And I remember we drove once to go up to Mount Macedon and there was a portion of our house left abandoned on the side of the road until they could fix the truck. And the ki- it was bizarre because it was the kitchen bit. And so one wall was completely missing. And I'm not kidding. My parents must have been very diligent packers in their time because I think they left all the cutlery in the drawers and stuff of the kitchen. And the, the you know, we used to have like a pin board with holes in it where they would hang their spatulas and big wooden spoony things. And they were still actually hanging on the wall. And so in 1970 or whatever it was, I don't think we had the crime problem because these days I'm sure if you left that on the side of the road, your house would get graffitied and pillaged. But no one took anything. But there it was, and it sat there for quite a few days until they could repair the truck that had broken down with that bit. And then they brought it to the property, and then these gorillas put the house back together. And we had to live in like a tin shed. I'm not kidding. We lived in a tin shed that my father had built on the property which had which had a floor that was made up of old sort of signs. Not signs from God, just signs. And we slept in this old tin shed while these blokes said, we'll save your money putting your house back together if you let us live in your house while we reconstruct it. And I remember this guy was sleeping in my bed and I remember my bed smelt really funny after he'd left when we eventually got to move back into the house. I remember it had this horrible smell. And they had this fry pan, and they must have just used the same oil over and over again for days on end as they cooked stuff. So they'd cook their morning eggs and bacon in the pan that had last night's steak and bacon, and then they would cook the next night's food. So in the end, there was this conglomeration of tomato skins and seeds and stuff, and the oil would solidify during the day, and they would leave it sitting there. And they obviously were that... I don't think they were that cultural, but I guess... So anyway, they they were jacking it up on stumps. Anyway, so when the house went back together, it never kind of went back together exactly as good as what it could have. And the roof used to leak and stuff used to happen because quite often they don't quite go back the way they should. So that was up until the age of seven. And then we lived in that same house um, right through until... A few years ago when my mother, who was now getting a bit too old, she now lives next door to us here in Ballarat because we managed to con the people who owned the house next door into selling it to her. And I remember when we moved out of it, I was sort of helping her to move and she was a bit spun out, as you would be. And I remember her feverishly trying to clean the walls and the, the carpets and the things, saying, oh, I hope it's clean enough now that people have bought it. And I said, they're going to knock it down. 
Oh no, I always thought, you know, this house could be worked with. It's it's got Jarrah floorboards. It's 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 wonderful old hardwood, you know, they don't make houses like this these days. I said, Yes, there's a reason for that. Okay, it's a nice old house, but um, you know, Shaken Stevens and Rosemary Clooney and all this old house ain't going to need this house no longer because, like, the windows were rotten through. And I remember in the years when we were trying to twist her arm to move from there because she was on her own, she kept saying, oh, I might spend some money and replace all the windows and everything. And I used to say, don't. It's not worth it. Okay, the house has been wrapped in clad aluminium. It's It's... I know you have a sentimental attachment to the house. I do too. You know, because there was a friend of mine when we were going... I don't know how this has gone on to this, but there was a friend of mine and he lived in a really, really fancy house, but things weren't always that happy in his home, okay? And he used to love to come to my house and he'd call me, my mum my and dad, his mum and dad, he'd call my mum mum and dad, and my father would say, What are you doing here? Go home! Get out! Now, luckily, most people knew my father's joviality and didn't pay too much attention to it. So to him, you know, he would always say, well, you know, your house is a home. It's a home. You know, I like it here. It's it's whatever. But the actual house itself, eh, you know. So where were we? So uh, he, this person, this other person in the band had said, um, oh, yeah, they bulldozed your house, dear. Oh, thanks very much. And... Um, so I decided we'll drive for whatever it is and we'll go and see it. And we did. And, and of course, you know it's not there anymore. You know that. So we got there and they have built like this mansion in the place of where the house used to be. They've kept a few of the fruit trees because my father was a nurseryman and he loved his fruit trees and his things. They have kept a few of them. They've kept the dam up the back of the property but the sad thing was not so much seeing the monstrosity of the modern house, which I'm not, you know, you're going to say, well, of course you think it's a monstrosity because it's, it was a bit of a monstrosity. I mean, I'm, we live in a house here in Ballarat that started its life as a miner's cottage in 18-whatever. They then tacked another miner's cottage on it in 1890-whatever. In 1920, they built two rooms on the front of it, uh, in the Federation Victorian style. So we've got quite, still got, it seems wherever I go, I've got old houses. And our house was worth refurbishing because it's of historical significance. I'm fairly sure the front of it's protected by the trust and everything. And when we moved here, we restumped it and we replaced all the weather, every single weatherboard, including framing timber and stuff, the walls full of insulation. Oh, like you wouldn't believe. Came to this house in Ballarat, my wife goes, I've, oh, I've got to have this, oh, it's so beautiful. And look, all the work's done. <laughs> you mean that rotting wall over there and where the floor's sinking means the work's all done? Oh, don't bother me with details, she said. Now, the heart condition hadn't really kicked in as much at that point, so I was able to do a lot of the work myself. It's amazing uh, what you can do when one's bank balance is at stake. Anyway, so the monstrosity of this house was built there, and it's a, I imagine it must be a pretty fairly flash house. But I think the thing that maybe upset me a little bit was the pond. There used to be a dam at the front of the house, and as kids we used to catch yabbies. Yes, just look them up. You can find out what they are, freshwater crayfish. We used to go yabbying and tadpoling, and at one point I filled the pond full of goldfish, which I'm sure is really good for the environment when the carp escaped down the road during the floods. But anyway... 
Um, and so that that bond. Now these days, of course, you would have to have it all fenced off, and it would be considered a a health hazard for children. But when we grew up, we didn't have such things, and so. We even used to risk swimming in there occasionally, which was bad because the bottom of it was really sink, sinky, sort of stinky mud. So your feet used to go in and you used to worry whether you'd get bitten by a yabby. At one point, we even had some redfin in there, which we'd caught on fishing trips and had brought home in buckets and then released them into the actual pond. Uh, and so I think the saddest thing was seeing that they'd actually filled the pond in. There was a huge earth-moving vehicle still outside, and they decided they were going. To, they'd filled it in, so there was no longer, no longer a little dam at the front of the house. It was gone, and that, I think, that's the saddest bit. Just seeing that that was gone, and we were really tempted to want to drive up the driveway, but we realised we couldn't because it's no longer ours. And we went, oh well, that's how it is. See, for my wife, it was a shock a few years ago because the house that she grew up in. Um, when her mum became very ill and and she's passed away now, but um, she had to go to a nursing home and or she actually no, I think she passed away in hospital. She didn't make it that far. Her house had to be sold, and we went through the same thing. We brought a handyman in to because we had to take care of it because she had brain tumours, and by that stage she'd sort of gone into a coma. She wasn't compass mentis, and even towards the end of it, she wouldn't have been able to make those decisions anyway because she was highly confused. Um, and we we got the house ready for sale because then you have to sort of pay it. You pay the money into sort of like a trust account, which helps then if they go into nursing care, it helps to offset the cost of the whole thing. And it sort of fell to my wife and I to have to do all that. So we had to clean the house out, like empty it of all its contents. And we had to call on some friends and we sort of had to pay them in, in some ways of saying, well, look, if you like that, furniture there maybe because you helped us you might like that lounge to take to take it because we can't afford to pay you money but it's sort of hard it's heartbreaking to watch and it's the same thing with my wife I mean she was watching you know her childhood sort of all be ripped apart and the house did sell and when we would occasionally visit Melbourne we would detour off the freeway and we would drive past and just see how the old house was doing and on one of the last trips we pulled past the house to see how it was doing, and it was gone. It had been replaced by, um, like, it was a fairly large block of land, so it was replaced by, like, five or six units or something, and I could see the look on my wife's face. was like, oh, jeez. I never really did like the house that much, I suppose, but I suppose now it's not there. I mean, we almost, we drove past. Like, we, we thought, oh, yeah, it's a bit further. Hang on, no, it's not further down. It should be here. Where is it? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And it was gone. So, um... It's kind of weird, I suppose, as you, like for me, as you make your way towards 50 things that you're in your memory. Because sometimes at night I have dreams where I'm back in that house. And, of course, realising now that it doesn't exist anymore. It's now in pieces in a tip somewhere or they're selling the Jarrah floorboards to someone. Someone will want those. That's all proper Jarrah. That is tongue and groove, boy, tongue and groove. Because our house, I mean, I think my father even helped build it. He got... Um, you always knew someone who was a bit dull. like when they owned the florist shop um you know people would come in because St Albans was just a hodgepodge of ethnic backgrounds of everybody there wasn't one ethnic group that would not have been represented in St Albans and because of the 1950s push you know because Australia was crying out for migrants in those days um you know my mum would be in the shop and maybe this Italian fellow might show up and go uh, I want the 
or maybe a Greek fella. I'll just do a generic European accent. I want a big, uh, big fertilizer. Uh, I want uh, the shrubs did here, this, that, other. Thank you very much. And my mum would say, okay, well, that's, um, you know, whatever, $200, 50 whatever. Oh, no, I, 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 talk, oh, I, I come back, see boss. My mum would say, I am the boss. My, my husband runs the wholesale nursery, but this shop is actually mine. You see him here, but... I'm actually the boss. Oh, no, no, no. I come back to see the real boss. No, I am the boss. No, 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 no. I, I, I talk later when husband is here. So this fellow would sneak in back later because my dad would do the deliveries and he would sort of collar my father over to one corner and say, okay, I'll take big fertilizer, this, that, other. And then he, my father would help him out to the car with it. My mother would be going, hang on, is this guy going to pay for this? My father goes, shh, no, 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 no. This, you, you... Deal with the customers, love. I've, I've, we've got an arrangement. And then like a day later or something, this guy who'd got the fertiliser and everything would turn up in a ute, which is a car without any back seats for our overseas listeners. And he might have huge plastic drums. No, not of methamphetamine. No, not Breaking Bad style. But he would have gallons and gallons of homemade wine that he had made. And so that would turn up and that would be in lieu of the money not for big or fertilizer and everything else ah come on and then i remember when we were little we would my dad would second me on the weekend and we would have a rubber tube don't be disgusting and gr flow through gravity and these cases would be these vats would be set up on high and he and i would be bottling empty bottles of wine and corking them with the corking thing and they'd be being laid down in the thing so he had he had kind of quite of a bit of a barter system going. He would go around and prune people's trees and come back with bottles, little bottle grappa and all sorts of stuff that he would trade. So when it came to building the house, he had a few friends. He had, I think it was four weeks off work. And him and some other builder, I think it was called Archie, they just referred to him as Archie. And Archie knew some sort of scrap dealer and somehow truckloads of timber and stuff appeared on the nature strip in St Albans, and then Archie or whoever it was and his friends just put a house together because in those days there was very little restriction. So you know they just built this house. Ah, so I saw right a house in it, and and my father was always one who said, "Never put yourself in too much debt, boy." Always make sure you can afford to have a claret and a steak on the table. Never overcommit yourself. It ain't worth it. As long as you've got a roof on your head, that's, all, that's always important, isn't it? Because you don't get long. You don't get long in this life, boy. You don't get long. I was in the bloody war for five and a half years in bloody France, in trenches and mud. So I don't, I don't, I never commit myself too much, which he never did because he always figured it was better to have a dollar in your pocket and why live in a big mansion if you didn't have to as long as you were warm and comfortable and fed that was more important and i think he i think he's got a point because these days everyone has the mcmansions where these children of the next generation of the people who came here with suitcases and nothing see their parents as big house and they go well i want that as well yes well guess what when your parents came here they lived in a fibro cement one room or two room shack with an outdoor bathroom. 
They only have the big fancy house now because it's taken them years to build up to that. Now, I want that now. So people want it now. They want a spa room. They want a theatre room. They want a rumpus room for the kids. They want at least four to five bedrooms. And so some of these unscrupulous house building types make houses out of the most flimsiest of material. And you only got to see these houses 10 years down the track and they are already the slums of tomorrow. So people put themselves into incredible hock for this crap. I don't know what this has got to do with atheism this week. I've got no idea. I didn't mean to go down this path. But as I've said from time to time, we do just take... I've got stuff here on the screen which I've got things like Islamists arrested and Save the Atheists and Britain's Atheist Church. I don't even know if I'm going to get around to them now because it's already I've already gone off on a tangent. I'm sorry. So that was the story of our of our house and, and I, I admired him. And you know, as a little kid, as a little kid, and this is probably why now I'm sitting in here podcasting to you from my shed. And so when we moved into the house here, there was a big old shed at the back. It was big. It was big. And I figured I could section off a portion of that, go buy a bit of the old merch timber and just make a little studio, which is what I did. And and to this day, I do feel more happy in a shed. Now, at risk of being sexist, as our Prime Minister said, I'm a thirsty female and he's old misogynist Tony. Um, and I don't want to play gender stereotypes, but feck it, I'm going to anyway. I don't care. I'm... I got a heart condition. I'm on my way to 50. What the fuck do I care whether I offend you or not? I don't care if I offend you. Too bad. Um, But, you know, old men like me, grumpy and set in our ways, are probably happier in a shed than we are in some temperature-controlled mansion with way too many rooms for us to clean or even cope with. Especially once the kids move out. What are you going to ramble around in this big bloody mansion? So for us, men will scrounge stuff. We're, we're a lot like, um, I don't know, rats. You know, rats collect bits of fluff and stuff and they take it and fill your roof up full of it. And we're like that. We will go to a salvage yard, get a whole bunch of second-hand timber and things to line the inside walls with. And as long as the floor's all right and we've got an old bed in the corner and a kettle and all that sort of stuff, we will happily live in a shed, and even if it's got a few little leaks in the roof, we can always put a bucket down here or there, or get up with my old man and say, with a mastic gun and give it a bit of mastic. Or silicon, as we like to call that sort of stuff these days. And um, we're not unhappy, we're not, I don't know, you might be one of these sensitive new age guys who's different to me, but we're not unhappy with that. And, you know, a friend of mine, he he bought this property out the back of Eifkert, Eifkert, in it, Eifkert. He's got no town electricity, just a salad sort of system for the septic because there's no town sewage. A dirt road that runs past his house, which is in the middle of nowhere. It's only like a three-roomed house. And if he wants to have a bath or a shower, he's got a shed room off to one side where he has to light a fire. And there's this enormous vat of water on that that then when it gets hot, runs to his bathroom. If he wants his fridge to work, he's got to buy a gas canister. And the rest of it's all done on slow combustion or like a little gas top. No power unless he starts the generator, which is whisper quiet when you're trying to watch TV. And even the TV reception's not great. And he's got no no telephone line running past the house at all because it's in the middle of nowhere. And for that, you know, the council charge him over 600 bucks a year in rates. They don't even collect a bin. 
when when it floods, his house is inaccessible to get to by road because the road turns into like a dam and he got stuck on the property for about three days once waiting for the, the water to subside. But it's like 50 acres of trees so he can just go out and cut down trees to keep his fire going. And he lives there and he's got like radios hooked up to enormous batteries so they don't run out. And um, and and I've never seen someone so happy, you know. And like even where the cell phone is, he's got to put it in one exact spot on the property because that's the only bit that gets any any reception on his mobile phone. So he's got to go to that exact bit, leave the phone sitting just on that little bit, in order to be able to talk to the outside world. And he's really happy. So, you know, um, and he grew up in the city, but he just loves it there. And I. And I had to admit, I sort of did fall in love a bit with the place myself. Um, except I have become something of a city sort of person. Because, you know, if you go to the hardware store or whatever, and it's only two seconds... Like, I live two seconds from a Bunnings hardware, right? And there's a home hardware even closer to that. And there are shops everywhere. So, like, if we come home from shopping and we've forgotten the milk, you might go, ah, oh, damn it, I forgot the milk. All right, I'll just pop out and I'll be back in two minutes with the milk. Well, if you live out in those places and you come home and you've forgotten the appropriate packet of screws, holy shit, that's a long way back to go and get what I forgot. So that side of me didn't like it, but I'm I'm already sitting there looking at his thing and saying, oh, yeah, you could get a couple of solar panels up on that roof, some, you know, long-range batteries. I said, if you just moderate your... You'd hardly ever have to run your generator. You've only got a tiny, you know, a little tiny TV and everything. Yeah, you could do that piece of piss, mate. A few grand, you could just do it yourself. You don't need... You don't need any flash wiring for that sort of stuff. Because i got a couple of solar panels just on my shed here, and our power never goes off, but I couldn't help myself. I was just so, like, keen to see how it worked. <laughs> so uh, occasionally I'll charge up the drill or something, although these days I don't feel well enough to really do very much. <sighs> Where were we? Anyway, um, you're probably the same. You're very blokey this week, isn't it? Very blokey. Anyway, um, so we do that, and on the way back we, we drive through this other little town and we, we find another little nice restaurant on the way back and we say we might just have bread. So we had breads and, and dips. And then we had to go back to the actual room um, to get changed to go out to the actual restaurant. And um, so I think we managed to sneak in without too much of a problem. And we snuck into our room and we got ready. And we went out to go to the restaurant. And, and then we had a rest. And as we came back down, the family, because you're in their house. And they were sitting around eating, and I could smell... When we were in the room, we had about five minutes to be able to watch something on the laptop, and I could smell the cooking coming up the stairs. So we go back down, and they're all sitting around the kitchen table. And um, and so I thought, I'll get out of here. And they go, yes, so where are you, are you going? Yes, you're going, and you enjoy it. And they're, 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 they're making small talk, and I'm thinking, I just want to get out of here. I just want to go to the restaurant and have dinner. So we do that. And um, then we had our dinner. It was very nice. I can't mention the place because it just gives you too much of a hint as to where the guest house was, and I, and I don't want them suing me. So um, so we come back that night, and the woman's husband of the Royston Vasey guest house has been there, and their little commercial traveller bloke has gone off to bed who they were sitting around eating with. And I think him and, him and her, the husband and wife, I think they're just sitting across the table with long faces at each other. 
So we wander, we wander back in and, um, oh, was it nice? Yes, it's a lovely restaurant there. It's got sort of Turkish themes and this, that and the other and uh, Asian this and that and influences of such. And, oh, yes, yes, it was very nice. Thank you. And I'm thinking, I just, oh, man, I just want to go upstairs. It's going to take me long enough to get upstairs. And then when I get up there, I'm going to be puffed out. And so um, they were talking about something, and I said, oh, yes, I um, I said, uh, yes, I, I I know of this certain institution nearby, such and such. And I was talking about something from my childhood in the sort of locale when we were talking, because they said, oh, did you see the house? I said, yes, yes, it's been bulldozed down. And I was, I was talking about the area where I went to school and various other things, and I was having a whinge about something, sort of, and the husband goes, oh, do you want me shoulder, mate? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, oh, I'll give you something to cry on. <laughs> and I'm thinking, gee, that Motel 6 would have been so much more preferable to this. It really would. <laughs> so we managed to get upstairs and I'm, and I'm saying, gee, you know, this is just sort of so over familiar. I mean, you just come home, you, know, you don't want this. So we locked our door and we hoped that... Uh, during the night, she wouldn't be in to sort of tuck us in. <laughs> oh, never mind. I just used my key on the other side. I've just brought... Because my wife was saying, what happens if I want a hot water bottle? Have I got to go downstairs and ask her to boil me the kettle, you see? Well, luckily, there was an electric blanket on the bed, so we decided not to. So in the morning, we, we wake up. Now, they're up at 5 a.m., mind you, the people who run the place. And you can hear everything, all the noise up the stairs. I can hear them setting tables and bashing around and they've got the radio on and I'm thinking oh god it's 5am because there are lots of other people staying in the thing even though we hadn't seen too many others apart from the commercial traveller and so they've got to be ready to go from breakfast at some ungodly hour now they've been up really late and now they're up early in the morning and I can hear them bashing around and I'm thinking oh shut up so we managed to we managed to sleep in till about 8 now, the thing is, I find first thing in the morning, before I even like to even talk to anybody, I like to have a coffee. But you can't do that here because you've got to go downstairs and get the coffee, and they're all waiting in the kitchen. So I, I my wife's sort of there, and I went down first and left her to sort of get her thoughts together. And I wandered down the stairs, and then there she is, the Royston Vasey housekeeper woman, and she then wants to start up a big conversation with me. Except the thing is, I've slept horribly. I've had a really sort of bad night's sleep, which happens a lot with the sort of heart condition thing. And I'm propped up in a chair, and then I'm sort of laying down, and then I'm up again, and then I'm here, and then I'm there. And I'm sort of really out of sorts. And I've been awake on and off really since 5 a.m., since I've heard her bashing downstairs anyway. And I'm feeling not the best. And all I really want is a cup of coffee and just to sit quietly and not have to talk to anybody because, like, my throat feels like it's just gargled with gravel. So she's going, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, yeah. So she says, oh, never mind her. Yeah, some croissants or something or another. I, mean, I really, really want a cup of coffee. Oh, coffee! Yes! Oh, I'll oh, get you a coffee. And so her husband comes wandering in. Now, there's an air of tension going on here, and I think they may have had some sort of falling out. 
because um, she then calls to him, make the coffee or something, and he says, oh, I've got to go and get whatever. She goes, hey, this is a partnership, you know. Partnership? I'm doing the croissants. You could at least make the coffee. You don't have to go anywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, no, don't do this now. Don't do this now. Just get me my horrible tasting coffee and shut the f*** up. So she's fiddling around and she's, I think like she homemade the bagels and the the um, croissants. So she's zapping them in the microwave. Now, the thing with zapping them in the microwave is that when they're then plonked on the table before you've even so much as had that first sip of coffee to burn the cobwebs down, to me, I don't want to put anything other... I don't want to put anything in my mouth. Like, I just... I'm looking at them and thinking, I can't eat these things. I already feel a bit queasy in the first place. I just want the coffee. So he's making the coffee and then she plonks them down on the table, the croissants, and she sort of then fritters off herself. And then he starts saying, he brings the coffee over, thank goodness, and then I'm sort of like guzzling down the coffee, and he goes, so, yeah, you worked in the entertainment biz, did you? I said, yeah, 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 a bit. Um, Yeah, what did you do? (laughs) Because everybody wants to know what you do. I mean, I know they're making small talk, but in a way, sometimes I wish people would just shut the, you know, what I do is, in a way, is kind of none of your business. Like, if I want to tell you what I do, in a way, I'll I'll tell you it, you know? Because a lot of people are just judging you by what you do. And and if you, when you kind of say, so anyway, I said, yeah, look, I used to play music around all the pubs and clubs and stuff, and, you know, sort of semi, sort of famous, not, maybe nothing to rave about, but it was a living. Yeah, it's a living, what can I say? You know, and and doing present presentations in sort of shopping centre type things for agents and stuff, and costume work, and and then I worked in radio sort of thing, and and he's like, oh right, yeah. So I'll be, you know, I'm not doing a great deal these days. I have, as you know, a heart condition because you've heard me wheezing up and down the stairs and everything, and you know, because you had to carry the chair up to the room. I said it sort of has slowed me down a lot. I said I have days I I just I can't. I wake up and I'm. I already feel like I've gone five rounds with Frank Bruno. Yeah, bloody uh, debilitating, isn't it? That sort of stuff. Uh, so you live in Ballarat. Anyway, we got onto the subject of renovating houses and stuff, and I said how we'd lived there. I said, well, I wasn't like I am now, so I did take a fair part in renovating. He goes, well, I renovated this place. It's only just got to the point now where, you know, we can bring in guests because it was a dump. It was a dump when I moved into it. So we sort of got talking blokey sort of things. And then, and then, I thought I heard this banging. But I thought it's just someone in one of the other rooms. And then the phone rings. And I hear him saying, Ha ha, you're outside, mate. Yeah. So he lets this guy in. I'm not kidding. The guy looked, he was 78 years of age. And he looked, he looked like Riff Raff from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. But he was older. And... um he came in and he'd been he'd been riding on the Abel Tasman, which is a sh- a boat, a ferry that comes across from Tasmania to the mainland. And at some ungodly hour, he'd made his way to the to the um, to this guest house. He was friends with them, and they'd all known each other. 
So suddenly we're in the middle of this renovation thing and and by this stage I'm sort of picking at this croissant. Now the thing is when you've microwaved them, if you don't eat them straight away, they go like sort of rubber and they're really chewy and hard to eat. But there was sort of ham on the table and, and butter and I, I managed to sort of slather a bit of butter on this thing and I'm sort of chewing into it and I'm really not feeling that great. So the conversation about renovating stopped and then she arrived back and then they just became totally absorbed with this fellow. Now eventually my wife came down and the husband then broke his conversation with this old bugger. Well, prior to this, the woman says to him, so, eggs and bacon for you then? And he goes, oh, yes, thank you very much, Riff Raff did. And I'm thinking, um, no, I'm not sure. Was our breakfast just sort of like... Because she'd said to me when I first arrived for breakfast, oh, there's cereal over there and there's croissants coming. So I'm thinking, oh, well, that's probably what we get served. So this fella's turned up, who's a friend. She goes, so, eggs and bacon. And she then launches into making him eggs and bacon. And I'm already at the point where I'm thinking, do I ask for eggs and bacon only to be told, oh, no, 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 paying guests, your your breakfast is a choice of the fruit, the cereal, you get coffee, you get a bagel and croissants, and your choice of salmon or ham. You don't get, you know, you don't necessarily get the eggs and bacon. This guy is our friend. And you're not, you're not getting, hang on. Yes, it was the missus at the door. Now, so yeah, so, so I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, what do I say here? I mean, and by this stage, I'd sort of picked over the croissant anyway, and I'd run out of my indigestion tablets, and I was feeling a little, because this vanilla coffee is just revolting, and by this stage, I've had like four cups of it. And I'm feeling a bit heartburny, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know if I should bother really asking for the, and I might not be entitled to them anyway. I don't know. So roughly at that point, my wife comes down, and um, the husband of the woman goes, "Ha ha, here's trouble." <laughs> oh, thank you, Neff. It's just like you. You're welcome. Uh, and I'm thinking, he may have renovated this place from a hovel, and he's done a good job of turning it into something nice albeit with glass see-through doors but um but um but um you're being a little f- overly familiar in terms of like being a person who's in you know trying to attract people to come and stay when <laughs> you're saying oh here's trouble <laughs> listen mate we're trouble but we're paying you 165 dollars to sleep in to sleep in the bed in fear of somebody spying through the door on us. Here's trouble. Uh, so now we got up at eight o'clock and that was considered for us quite a sleep in for the pure and simple reason that the boy was at the scout camp and he had to be what would have had to have been picked up at sort of one o'clock. But during the week he got invited to a birthday party and the birthday party started at 1130 so we decided, all right, we won't linger in the morning. We've got a considerable drive to get back to Ballarat and we'll be in time to pick him up. We've arranged to pick him up early so we can get him home quickly, hose him down after, you know, because you get back to, like, the scout camp and nothing's packed up and it's all turmoil and you're trying to run around finding his property. And So um, so we, we had to get up extra early. We've raced off. We get back and we're feeling absolutely... <laughs> 
suddenly like exhausted from this ordeal and we couldn't sleep in because we got to pick up the kids so but before that so my wife sits down at the thing and i pour her coffee and she and the woman goes to my wife cereal and fruits over there so my wife has seen the eggs and bacon cooking and she sits down with the cereal while the threat while riff raff and the two others are over on the kitchen bench not that far away from us but my wife whispers are the eggs and bacon she's making them for you are they i said no no she's making them for that guy there did she offer you eggs and bacon i said no well, why not i said i don't know right well should you just ask her for them and i said i don't know if i'm allowed well she goes well she said to me that she cooked stuff for breakfast why hasn't she offered them to you i said i don't know she goes what do you want them I said, no, I feel, now I feel bloody heartburn like crazy and I just don't want to cause trouble. I just want to get out of here. So the old fella, Riffret, sits down and he's got two eggs sunny side over, lashings of bacon, mushrooms fried, and I think some tomatoes on the plate as well, which he then tucks into. And I'm thinking by this stage, I've already made myself feel sick with this revolting coffee. I've pulled apart this rubbery um, croissant and now I really just sort of don't feel like the eggs and bacon which because as my wife left later she goes yeah I told her the night before that I wasn't an egg and bacon person in the morning but she said oh my husband is though so she goes so she did know that you do like eggs and bacon so she just never offered you at any stage I said no she goes did she have like a little printed out menu thing of what you could have and I said no I was just told there was ham on the table and she was, what I wanted, oh, here, what you need is a croissant. So she goes, so she didn't offer you, even when she offered the other guy the eggs and bacon, she didn't look at you and go, would you like some? And I said, no. And I didn't want to say anything because I just, for a start, I wasn't feeling all that great and I'd already made myself feel a bit ill on the croissants and the coffee, so I just thought, cut my losses and get the hell out of there. So we packed up and we were getting our stuff out and downstairs and then suddenly there's half naked people coming out of showers and stuff. There was must have been like lots of people staying there. Um, but they were all sort of hidden away in this in this crazy little labyrinth of a place. So we got in the car and we were sort of half laughing about some of the stuff that had gone on for our so-called like romantic getaway quiet weekend. And although we we could recommend this to anybody, we won't do that again, staying at anything that says guest home or B&B. And um, we race back to the scout camp. The kid's in total disarray. He, he looks like he's actually hiked the length and breadth of the country for the scout camp. His voice is all like, oh, Mom and Dad, there you go. We have to run around everywhere looking for all his various things that he's left strewn around this campsite. We throw him into the car. We desperately drive home like mad in order to get him home, get him something to eat, get him cleaned up so he can be at this birthday party at 11.30. And so when when that's happened, my wife said, I'll, I'll take him. And I said, okay, well, we need to get some, some groceries and stuff because there's really nothing here. So you'd pop him down to the party. Then I said... I'll go to the chemist, the supermarket, and all the things that need to be done so that by the time we get home, we'll have food for dinner and things. 
And I said, so you could... Uh, they wanted her to stay at the party because they'd say, you could have a nice, like, relaxing bath. I said, oh, no, they want me to sit there and stay, so I'll, 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 I'll weather it. So it took me the best part of nearly two hours because I am slow, heart condition and everything. It takes me a while to get across a, a shopping centre. And I got back at about... So they left at just before 11.30, so did I, and I got back <clears throat> to the homestead at about 10 past one or whatever it was. <clears throat> thinking, oh, they'll be back from the party now because it was only 11.30 to 1. And the car was there, and I thought, oh, well, that's good. And I walk in, and um, my wife looks at me, and she goes, the party's next week. I said, what? what? She goes, it's actually next Sunday. I read the invitation wrong. <laughs> so I said, you mean we... Re-? She goes, yes. We got it yes we went through yes <laughs> and the party's next week yes <laughs> ah dear dear <clears throat> so I don't know what day was that it was Sunday Monday I was really feeling sick Tuesday I felt sick today's Wednesday and I'm just starting to just starting to feel a little better I don't know, this has nothing to do with atheism, but it probably does prove that perhaps there isn't a God. And now at the risk of being incredibly lazy, because <laughs> I am very tired, folks, I'm going to play you a flashback episode, which you may have heard in an earlier thing of Nev from Nangwari, when he himself does his own little bed and breakfast. I was going to come up with something else, but then it just dawned on me, this is probably just about perfect. <laughs> Well, I've been right up to my neck in it, and I'm never in a flurry. I'm there from Nangwari. Oh, I don't know. Yep, no, that's who I am. Yep, no. A few years ago, I bought myself a little investment property just outside Tarpina. It was a little shack nestled away, so I decided to call it The Nest. I've fixed it up, too, just in case Nora ever comes back somewhere romantic. But then I thought to myself, I could hire it out and get a few bob. The cottages in Panola are very popular. People love to come there and buy their plonk in bulk. That's fair enough. That's how I buy me beer. So I decided I'd attract the tourists by giving it something classy, you know. Like that pub there is called the Eagle on the Hill. Or well, the Gondola on the Murray. Hired on Collins. Paris on Hilton. Oh, yeah, Uncle Neb. I saw a video on the web and there was definitely someone on Paris Hilton. Yeah, I'll give you a thick ear, young Jason, if I catch you downloading that sort of stuff. Especially without telling me. You know your Auntie Nora's not here. Oh, gee, sorry, Uncle Neb. I'll go back to my room and see if I can find it. Yeah, well, make sure you do. Now, where was I? Oh, yes. I decided to call me little Shangri-La Nev's on the Nest. And if that don't get them in, nothing will. I've had a couple of responses. I've got an English couple coming over soon to pick up the keys. Oh, hello. I'm looking for a Mr. Neville Bangers. Would you be him? No, it's Nev. Nev Nangers. That's me name, Nangers. Why, well, well, I've come to pick up keys, lad. The wife's waiting in the eye van. She don't. I feel peaky and all, you know. Yeah, did you get our email explaining we're both vegans? What, like that bloke on Star Trek with the big ears? No, we have special dietary requirements. See. Mind you, we won't be that much trouble to you. <laughs> now, do you do fava beans and garlic and sage? That's huh? nice. What about classic mint tabbouleh salad? No. How about black-eyed peas and rice or what? black bean hummus? 
We're easy to please. We don't mind. <laughs> Avocado and raisin dip. What about apple, black bean and salsa? With hey, what? I tell you what. Fillet de tofu with apricot Dijon sauce. It's a knockout, kid. Do you do tofu at all? Thai food? No, you'll have to go to the mound if you want Thai food. I don't do Thai food. Well, just something without meat in it then, all right? Well, the sausages ain't got that much meat in them. I suppose they'll be all right in the barbie. Now, you will promise us complete and utter privacy, won't you? Because the wife, she's not feeling well. We've got things to do, you know. Oh, complete and utter discretion. You won't be bothered until I send young Jason over with your evening meal. Uh, I do have to come and mow the lawn, though. Oh, that won't do at all. Me wife might want to sit out in her undies. Oh, stop grizzling. You sound like a whinging pom. Oh, sorry. Yeah, look, I did mean to get up there this morning, but I spent the whole morning with me elbow up other people's airspins. Now, look, I'll tell you what I'll do. 30 minutes, I'll be there to mow your lawn with me ride on, and it'll only take an hour or so. Come on, shake on it. No, thank you. I know where that hun's been. And besides, when we get there, we might want a spa bath. Spa bath? There's no spa bath. That was a misprint in the brochure. It's a spare bath. I've got a tin bath out the back you can fill up. Yeah, but there'll be no bubbles in it, will there? There'll be no bubbles. Well, that's all right. When I send Jason round, I'll put some extra baked beans in your dinner. That'll get the bubbles flowing. Right, that's it. I'm leaving. You can have your keys back. I'm going off to Panola. I might get a last-minute book in Chardonnay Lodge. Well, I've been right up to my neck in it, and I'm never in a flurry. I'm there from Nangwari. Oh, I don't know. Yep, no, that's who I am. Yep, no. Poor old Nev. See, it's uh, funny how things come round, isn't it? Then, see, I did have half an idea for um, Nev from Nangwari this week, and but then I, I but um, I, well, I don't know. Give it a go, eh? What do you reckon? Well, I've been right up to my neck in it, and I'm never in a flurry. I'm there from Nangwari. Oh, I don't know. Yep, no, that's who I am. Yep, no. And so, Mr. Nangers, yeah. in accordance with hospital policy, and yeah. since how you're feeling quite uh, somewhat better... Yeah, I'm a bit better, yeah. We're yeah. going to release you. I'm going out! No, 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 no. It's sort of like a halfway house now, does I cut down costs. We're going to book you into a bed and breakfast oh. where you'll just be close to the hospital and we can keep an eye on you. And you'll do just fine, lad, eh? What? Ten minutes later, at the guest house just across the road from the hospital. Oh, this is all right, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks for squeezing me in, Mrs. Scrub. <laughs> it's uh, all right, never. Yeah. It is so nice to have a man about the house. Oh, my <laughs> pleasure. my husband passed away. <laughs> it's so very lovely. Oh. If the niggas make yourself at home, <laughs> so mm. nice. <laughs> So I'll have peace and quiet then, will I hear? Oh, I'll do me right. Yes, Mr. Nangas, I can bring you right. anything you want. What, what, what would you like? Well, I wouldn't mind going to my room and resting a bit, you know, being in an hospital. Certainly. Having me bum bit and all that. That's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> I'd like to get better if I could. Yes, yeah, so you now see your bottom where you're a bit. <laughs> now you're, you're going, you get complete peace and quiet with pleasure, Mr. Nangas. Oh, well, thank goodness for that. <laughs> Oh, it's a bit weird, a bit, a bit woozy getting up these stairs. Oh, nice room, nice room, yeah. Oh, I might spread out on that nice comfortable bed very soon. Clip this door over here. I might have myself a nice shower, I think, before I do that. One shave and almost a shower later. He's singing in the shower. Oh, careful of me bum there. Oh, that feels... Oh, that water feels so good. We've got to be just a tad careful about washing the area with... Mr. Hey. Dingers, I Oh, my God, you. what are you doing here? I come to help you wash your difficult bits. Oh. Only difficult bits is you at the moment. <laughs> what are 
are you doing in here? And where are your clothes? I put them on the top of yours, Mr. Nangus. Oh, you're so nice. I'm hey, hey, happy. Oh. Oh, none of this sort of... I'm a married man, I am. Oh, Mr. Nangus, this is good news. <laughs> Let's have a bit of experience. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey. Just be careful what you're touching this. Oh, oh, oh. oh Mr. Nangus, <laughs> I can wash for you. You want me to wash him fast or slow, hey, Mr. Hey. Nangus? Oh, I'm being objectified here. <laughs> Mr. Nangus, <laughs> in my morning house, no one can hear you scream. <laughs> well, I've been right up to my neck in it, and I'm never in a flurry. I'm there from Nangwari. Oh, I don't know. Yep, no, that's who I am. Yep, no. Hey, 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 Darby. Yes, Neville, yes, bloody, yes. Bloody show's gone to shit this week. Where, where's all the... You're ranting and raving about how um, you don't like religion and everything. Well, I well I had all that stuff sort of prepared, yeah. and then, I don't know, we kind of got into this crazy sort of um, yeah. thing. Anyway, it's good to see you're up and about, Neville. It's good to see you. You've got a bit of a spring in your step there, too, I yeah, guess. Well, I, must, I must admit, I probably, I probably do in a way. Yeah, you, know, you do. <laughs> all things being considered. Yeah. It has been a long time. You know, Nora's been gone a while. She has been gone a while, and, I, yeah, and I'm too sort long. of thinking that shower scene from... Um, shower um, scene um, from um, what? Um, Shower scene from Psycho, you mean? No. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, ooh. Shower scene from um, from the from the guest house. Mm. Uh, well, so, you are a septic sucker, Neville. Yes. Yes. Quite had me quite had me pipes cleaned out. Yes. In a way, I wasn't expected. Actually, no. I, 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 I was quite. I was shocked. Yeah. I was offended. Oh yeah. You going back? Yeah. As it, well, as it turns out, yeah, I might. Yeah. <laughs> what this weekend? No. Well, why wait till the weekend? I mean, what's <laughs> Job's worth doing. It's worth doing it now, isn't it? Well, she's lonely, you know, and I'm lonely oh, and right. everything. Do you remember, what about Nora? Who? Nora, your wife. Nora. No, well, when I was in that hospital, I had some very funny visions, Darby. I, mm. All those, uh, you know, those jabs they give me for that bloody rabies. I'm mm. not sure whether I was, I was seeing fact or fiction. So, mm. I'm, you know, Nora's is a bit of a cloud over me. It's a bit of a cloud. Mm, fact or not seeing fact. I think that's pretty much par for the course for you, Neville. Now... We were going to do so many useful things, but I think we're just going to call this a show about nothing. And I just, I looked this up. I was, when, when I was um, listening yeah. there to, to Neville's tales of shocking, shocking. boarding house bordellos and various <laughs> other things, um, I, I saw this. Yeah. This is at mamamia.com.au. Mamma Mia. She would have said that a few times when you're in the shower with you. Oh, you she did. She did. Mamma mia. Oh, no, I don't. really do a voice now. No, really. no, no. You're spoiling me memories now. Don't you do the voice. Every, every time I see her, I'll think of you. Oh, oh, oh please oh, don't. No, there's anything wrong with it, of course. Oh, it's getting hot in now. I might turn this fan on. Hang on. It's getting a little bit hot on. Now you'll get fan noises, but that's all right. We're just in the throes of um, going into autumn in Australia, and... Um, that's very good. Now, I just stumbled across this. I've no idea what it's... A, Tim Ross is a comedian, apparently, at mamamia.com.au. Uh, Tim Rosso. Oh. So he's pictured as Tim Rosso, but they're calling him Tim Ross. I'm not mm. sure what that means. Anglophile. Is him. there anything more ridiculous form of accommodation than bed and breakfast? Question mark. No, it comes in handy. <laughs> to get yourself... Um, <laughs> Very handy in that shower. Fast and slow, Andy. Neville, Neville, Neville. Stop. You're like a teenager. You, 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 you revive, don't you? Um, to get yourself in this whirlwind sector of the hospi- hospitality game, all you need is a floral doona cover for a bed and a spare room and a crystal bowl full of quality street chocolates. 
a decanter of port, and a desire to torture complete strangers hmm, by making them overcooked eggs at the communal breakfast table, or worse, or worse, to flaunt the fact that you're not offering them any eggs. As I found out. Now, to be fair, to be fair, that's according to Tim Ross here on uh, MamaMia.com. Um, oh, ah, yeah, oh ah, yeah. that's probably oversimplifying things. You will need an ornate hanging sign that elevates your home yep. to chateau, <laughs> cottage, or estate. And what what did you call your boarding house? Oh, in that other episode, yeah, we called it Nev's on the Nest. <laughs> I think it was at that time it was a bit of wishful thinking, you know. But I have to say this about, uh, you know, women from European background, <laughs> now that I've had a, had a touch of the old, a touch of it, haven't I? Uh, not, they're not as big on the Brazilian waxes. No. <laughs> you know? So when it, when it was on the nest, I've got to say, mm. it was, uh, what's the opposite of the Brazilian wax? Um, I'm just looking it up here. It's um, in the Urban Dictionary. It's called the mulberry bush, I believe, a slang term for hairy armpits. Oh, that's hairy armpits. Check out the mulberry bush, usually of a German female. And then there's lots of stuff about George Bush, something representing thick, shaggy head of hair, sometimes oily with little white bugs. But Jamie Redfern, the little white bug that cried. Cloud. Um, what else have we got? I don't, how did we end up in this? We're supposed to be talking about secularism and saving atheists. What's his name? We'll be saying it's a really sad outlook on um, atheism this week because we haven't even touched it. Now, this is from sexualityspaceandmotion.com. A bush, a slang for female vagina with pubic hair. In its, it is interesting that pubic hair is considered now a fetish on the internet rather than the norm. Oh. Brazilian waxing, the complete removal of hair from around the vagina, is very popular amongst young women. And this webpage explores these ideas, according to sexualityspreadinmotion.com. Um, the evolutionary functions of pubic hair it isn't just for looks, it's there to help your love life. Your body produces scents called pheromones that are designed to make you sexually attractive to others. Hair in the pubic area as well as underarm catches those and spreads those erotic scents. Ooh. Uh, there are other theories about the purpose of pubic hair. Some people think it's just there for looks to increase sexual attractiveness, while others believe it helps against infection. Dr. Stephen Wan, author of The Odd Body, has another theory that pubic hair reduces friction uh, during body movement and is less likely to get skin irritation. They are saying that um, the pubic lice epidemic is really down, thanks these days to the old Brazilian. For every, the crisis in pubic hair, according to this, fact, every year over 2 million hectares of pubic hair are clear-cut or torn out by the roots, much of it in virgin and old-growth stands. You don't see much of that these days, do you? Um, <laughs> as recently as 650,000 years ago. I'm not that old. If you're a young earth creationist. No. You don't believe a word of that. No. Actually, they had the... The creationist bus came to Ballarat over the weekend, but we weren't here. We were at the um, boarding house from Royston Vaseyland. I was here, but I was in the park. Yeah, pub. they bring a bus with it, just showing, you know, dinosaurs and people at the same time. 90% of the human land mass, which was a rich um, 
pamper of gently swaying pubic hair with herds of grazing buffalo as far as the eye could see. I've got no idea what that means. Use your imagination. And then it goes on and on and on. <coughs> bit like you, really. Clear throat. Anyway, so you you uh, you uh, you went bush this weekend, did you, Nev? Yes, I certainly did. And I was going to say I went bush and I didn't even take a tent. But actually, when I woke up in the morning <laughs> yes. uh, under the covers, I think there was a was playing tense, to be honest. Yes, it all sounds a bit intense. Oh, he's in love with a European woman. Oh, well, never mind. Uh, cover your ears, Nev, and watch out you don't get a clip around the back of the ear roll when it all goes uh, yes. Um, now, back to the uh, thing with Mamma Mia and to- to- Tim Ross, or Rosso. Uh, Chateau. Thrown in the... Oh, here we go. So you need uh, a sign that elevates your home to Chateau Cottage or Estate. Throw in a Southern Highlands affection to your voice and a desire to manhandle potpourri on a daily basis and you're in business. I understand that one of the attractions to running one enables you to meet new and interesting people. Yes, and to perhaps spy through that door on them. Uh, but would you really want to see complete strangers wandering down your hallway at 2am in an ill-fitting robe? No. Nor do I want to see the woman who runs the place at 5am in any sort of robe. Uh, they aren't much fun to stay at either. It's a bit like paying to stay at your relatives without the joy of bitching about non-present family members. And it is. It's like having someone in your own home. You don't relax. You don't relax. <laughs> Uh, my disdain was reinforced by a recent weekend spent in the, spent at a B&B in the Blue Mountains. Upon checking in, we were press-ganged by the perm-haired lady... Oh, my God. This could be the same place we stayed at. She had a perm, too. <laughs> and it was a blonde sort of perm, and it was half pinned up and half... Back in the early days, I used to see a comedy uh, duo called Punter to Punter. And um, whenever anyone came in with like a big blonde perm and really white skin and they were fuzzy haired, um, <clears throat> the uh, the guys from Punter to Punter, I think it was Slim Whittle, used to look. And when the lady would say, go past the window, or she was slightly out of earshot, Slim would say, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> proof that Englishmen fuck sheep. <laughs> I've tried to get him on this show. He should, he should come on. Um Yes, isn't that weird? Perm-haired lady at the manor, and she was too, into attending their nightly champers uh, at sunset. Champagne, anybody? A chance for fellow guests to get to know each other and be entertained by her husband Cole's hilarious stories. Well, there you go. This this could have been where we stayed. It could. Hello, here's trouble. <laughs> oh, do you want me shoulder to cry on, do you? <laughs> she showed us to our room and pointed out the bedspread, which I wasn't going to touch without tongs. Hmm. A stack of wood in the fire, which was actually two half-split logs. A jewel in the crown fancy wooden twinings tea box, yes, which was full of bilo tea bags. We weren't allowed to have tea bags in our room. We just had to go into the old bag downstairs. Uh, come 5.30, I really honestly expected to have woken up in the middle of the night and had her tucking us in. I'm, I'm serious. I really thought that was going to happen. Come 5.30, and if I see our sex tape on that on the internet, I'm telling you, there's going to be... I'm actually publicise it really come to think of it come 5.30 we dutifully headed out and joined the other hapless couples on the veranda 
Ah, we had one travelling salesman where we were and watched as Cole, with shrunken shoulders, walked up the stairs with half a bottle of warm Omni champagne in one hand and four dishwasher scarred plastic flutes in the other. <laughs> Following was an equally forlorn-looking black Labrador. Unfortunately, the, quote, hilarious stories, unquote, didn't materialise, and Cole, who'd been clearly drinking all afternoon... <laughs> rambled on incoherently about how this joint was sending them broke. Anxious to avoid eye contact with him, that was me, my wife's going, why don't you be more friendly? And I'm going, I can't, I'm on fucking holiday. Give me a break. I didn't come here to feel this way. Bottled up by the time I left, I tell you. Well, almost, in some ways not. In some ways not. Uh, um, how the joint was sending them broke. Anxious to avoid eye contact with him, we patted the dog for ten minutes <laughs> until he got bored and wandered off down the road. This is cold, they're talking about. Necking the rest of his booze straight from the bottle. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um... <laughs> Just when we thought things couldn't get any more uncomfortable, we turned around to engage in some small talk with the other couples, only to watch the wife looking at us coldly and declare, just because we're staying here doesn't mean we have to talk to each other. Good night. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's time to get myself a tent, said Tim Ross from mamamia.com.au. Tim, we could have we could have been in the same place at the same time and there was one more here about some people who stayed in Amsterdam or something I knew a lady from Amsterdam she <clears throat> thank you Pete you've done about someone um, knocking <laughs> knocking on the door at 9 o'clock and telling people your time is up get out Eesh, a rude wake up call is this here no no no, no. I've missed it I think I've missed it Anyway, so that was uh, an enormous, an enormous amount of fun, as you would uh, well imagine. Now, a lot of people ask, well, no one actually asks, but if you did ask, um, why is it sometimes your episodes are like, you know, episode 34, 35, and then you'll have episode 35A, B, and then instead of going on to 36, there'll be a C. What, what, why is that? Why have you got all these A, Bs and Cs? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Go and get stuffed. No, the reason is that um, each episode to be self-contained has to have at least one episode of Nev from Nengwari, and these days needs also a, a fairy tale story time. So if I like interview um, people, and then it's A, B, C, you never move on to the next number till you actually get your next instalment, no matter how bad it might be, of Nev from Nengwari and these days a fairy tale. So with that in mind... Oh, no! Yes. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. We're yes. not still bloody doing that, are we? Yes, you love fairy tale time, Neville. No. It's time to shine. Yeah, no, I've got something very shiny. She's washing that very, very fast with, mm. that, with that lotion. <laughs> Dispenser. <laughs> yes, I'm sure she did. Now, um, we, were, we were almost... Well, we're not really even finished... Of the hands, Christian Anderson, what the old man does is always right. 
So uh, here we go, and this is the only way we can progress on to a new episode. Hurry Maybe up. next time. Oh, I tell you something uh, really interesting. Yeah, well, it's about bloody time, isn't it? Um, I th- I'm pretty sure I've got um, I've got someone teed up who works as an exorcist coming up on one of the shows. We're going to in- interview someone who's an exorcist. Now we got a. Um, I suppose I should have saved this for the start of the show. It's probably like most people have switched off by now. Uh, last episode when I interviewed Ben Shenton, a bit of a mixed response. Some people were quite interested in his being raised in a cult. Um, other people, as you, some people like Maynard thought, I think he was a bit heavy-handed on the Christianity and it sort of drove him a bit mad. But as I say, look, when I get the religious ones on, I can't just cut them off. I have to let them do their bit, you know what I mean? Because they're out to win your soul, even if you don't think you have one... Even if you, it doesn't, so, you know, it's a to and fro kind of thing. So Maynard was like, oh, no, 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 I can't. Oh, no, I can't. Oh, no, oh, no, I can't. But I thought the horror stories were, um, were worth, uh, were worth hearing. And, you know, look, Ben Shenton, I mean, here, come on, you know. There was a bit of controversy too, because I'd, I'd, this shouldn't really be in fairy tale time, should it? Everything's higgle pig. He had a mean pig this week and every other week. Um, because I'd said that, um, you know, Adam and the the religious people have the Adam and Eve story for how life began with the creator God who didn't have a creator. And then I said, you know, then you have evolution, which is the expansion over time of how things change and mutate and change and do things and stuff. Uh, but then, you know, science doesn't yet, yet, just yet, probably will one day, but just not yet, doesn't have the exact answer for how the unique event of life um, um, arrived so you know it's still still a bit of a quandary and then Arthur wrote in saying yes see see Darby you got it right for a change you miserable git um, see so it doesn't have all the answers and then someone else wrote back to Arthur saying yes just because it doesn't have the answer doesn't make religion right you know Arthur so they've been raging on on my Facebook for um, for some considerable amount of time and then I posted this thing about the Ayatollah Khomeini who talks about there's no difference between sort of fundamental Islam and government because when it takes over, it's both. And then Anthony wrote, oh, but that's all religion. And then Arthur wrote back, that's utter rubbish, Anthony. Who Anthony was on that other show with Pinyon Yang. I played the old breakfast tapes. So I think him and Arthur might get into a bit of a stoush now. That'd be good. I'd enjoy that. It'd be fun. It's like, you know, when you've got a couple of cats, you own a couple of cats instead of just one. And then you try and rouse one up or you pat one on the head and you make it think the other cat started the fight. Next thing you know, they're on the floor wrestling each other. <laughs> it's a bit like that. I'm hoping I can stir things up. Sad outlook on atheism, this show, folks. Sad bastard, full stop, we'll you no are. no atheism this week, Hurry up, come so on. It's to- yes, all right, I am. Yeah, because I've got, I got, I got drains to unplug oh, no. and I've got to go and get me pipes. Too. Yeah, I'll bet you will. You'll be back at that B&B for that awful coffee in no time. Okay, so last time... Um, we, he was at the market, he did something, the old man, and he was swapping cows for pigs and stuff. So now he's given up chickens to get an apple, all right? So he gave up the fowl, and this is by Hans Christian Anderson, by the way, and received the apples, which he carried into the inn parlour. Yeah, in for a penny, in for a pound, eh? <laughs> you were well in yourself that weekend, were you? Oh, yes, I was, son. I don't want to crow about it, no, but I'll tell you what. The rooster. <laughs> I had, I was, my feathers were all fluffed up. Cock of the walk, I would have said. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. He gave up the fowl, uh, received the apples, 
which he carried into the inn parlour. He leaned the sack back carefully against the stove and went to the table, but the stove was hot. Hot to trot, baby! Hot to trot! (laughs) Things are really looking up for you, aren't they? Uh, things were going bad, but they've 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 picked up. I think uh, Mrs. Scrubs got matters in hand, wouldn't you say? Yeah, Nana? she's got things well in hand, son. Well in hand. <laughs> Stop it, Arthur. No, Neville. Not Arthur. Neville. Yes, Nev, sorry, sorry. I don't know why I said Arthur. Some sort of Freudian thing going on there, Darby. Yeah. So, so the stove was hot, and he had not. Um, he had no thought. Uh, not that. Hang on, wait a minute. But the uh, but the stove was hot. And he had not thought of that. Many guests were present. Hmm. Sounds a bit like our uh, our B and B, horse dealers, cattle drovers, uh, and two Englishmen. Oh, hmm. super! Uh, frightfully good. <laughs> uh, the Englishmen were so rich that mm. their pockets bulged. I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed ready to burst. Yes, yes, you could say that. Uh, they could bet too that you shall ha- hear a hiss, hiss. Yeah, no, I did hear that a bit in the shower. And to, to borrow a joke from Morecambe and Wise, yeah. every time I coughed, I got a big lump on the back of my neck. Bring me sunshine through the years. Uh, what could that be by the stove? The apples were beginning to roast. What is that, asked one. Um, what is that one, asked one. Why don't, do you know, said our peasant. Uh, why Why do you know? Why don't you know? I don't know. Anyway, he told them the whole story of the horse, which had been exchanged for a cow, and all the rest of it down to the apples. Well, your old woman will give it to you. Oh, I'll say. <laughs> it's done by the Englishman. Well, your old woman will give it to you. Yeah, you want to watch out that shower block on the... <laughs> Come a cropper. Uh, when you get home, she will give it to you. Yep. Won't there be a noise? No, no not in no, that board no house. No one can hear you screaming that board no, house. soundproof. What? Give me what, said the peasant. <laughs> Why? She will kiss and say what the old man does is always right. Yes, that's that's very true. I, I found I couldn't really put a foot wrong the way I was going. Very receptive and mm. accommodating woman she was, Mrs. Scrub. Yeah, I don't think she cared. You really had your uh, you've had your fist no. up their spins and all sorts of stuff. No, going no, on there. no. She was grateful. She was grateful for me handyman treats. I bet she was. <laughs> Well, you got, you know, you're yes. to my age, you've yes. seen and done a few things, and you, Darby? You... I mean, come on, we're we're gentlemen together here. Yeah, and we've been gentlemen together for a long time, Nev. But I'm I'm worried now you'll be you'll be stolen away. The old mates' club will uh, will, will come to some sort of an ending. But no, that's all right. I'd sooner have you happy than the way you usually behave. Now, um, what do you know? Hiss, hiss. You'll give it to you when you get home. Yes, we've done that bit. Uh, let, let us lay oh, let us lay a wager on it," said the Englishman. "Well, wager you a ton of coin gold and a hundred pounds to the hundredweight. No, a bushel will be enough," replied the peasant. "I can only set a bushel of apples against it, and I'll throw myself and my old woman into the bargain. Uh, that will pile up the measure I fancy." Done, taken. So the bet was made. Then the landlord's coach came to the door and the two Englishmen and the peasant got in. And away they drove and soon arrived and stopped at the peasant's hut. Good evening, old woman. Good evening, old man. I've made the exchange. (laughs) Ah, well, you understand what you're about, said the woman. And then she embraced him. 
Oh, she ran a, ran a bit of a boarding house as well, did she? <laughs> I didn't see too many people that were bored there. Uh, and paid no attention to the strangers. Yeah, well, they probably just took the standard package. You know, didn't pay as much. It was breakfast without the pleasure, I think. Mm, you finished? You yeah. Finished. Nor did she notice the sack. Oh, were well, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, sometimes you should pay attention to the sack. You know, there's some people... They like a bit of rubbing action. Other people find it a bit painful, though. A bit painful, so yeah, I don't know. It's a bit like you. a bit, a little bit You are, feisty, a little bit painful yourself. I've got a cow in exchange for the horse. Yeah, Thank heaven, she said. Now we'll have plenty of milk and butter and cheese on the table. Get off the table. <laughs> Get off the table, Mabel. The cheese is for the beer. Money. No, the money's for the beer. Yeah, money. And that was a capital exchange. Yeah. Yes, but I exchanged the cow for a sheep. Ah, better still, said the wife. You think of everything. We have just enough pasture for sheep. Use milk and cheese and wool jacket and stockings. The cow could not give us all of these. And her hair only falls off. How you think of everything. Now, we might just leave Hans Christian Anderson there until another time, boys and girls. Yeah, goodbye, boys and girls. Psychic, or do you think it's just intuition? It's intuition. There's no such thing as psychics. So anybody that doesn't know that, that I believe that already, Anton, there's no fucking such thing as psychics. I'm sorry. If you think you're psychic, you might be intuitive, more intuitive, but there's no such thing as psychics. And Robert Darby, what do you want? I I, I just had this premonition that you were going to call, man. (laughs) No, I only rang up to say happy birthday because it's your birthday, you bastard. Oh, thank you. Well, actually, it's my birthday there already, right? Yeah, you're yeah, already. Bir- your birthday there. Yeah, it is here. And I was just tail ending the bit of my podcast, and I thought I'd better ring him up and say happy birthday because I know how touchy he gets and he won't speak to me again. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Robert, we, me and you should talk and high five about that later. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> I, I totally agree. So you're, you're, are you in the death throes of apartment J, are you? Or. I'm, uh, what? This is Reepso Radio we're doing right now. Oh, you're doing Reepso Radio. Are you are you in the death throes of that, or have you just begun? Um, we're in the middle of it, I guess. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, not the middle, the tail end, I guess, the last 15 minutes or something. The death throes. I'm like, we were just talking about, um, we are talking, you had the death throes of your show, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, sorry. Oh, thanks. And, yeah. uh, we're talking about Adam Lee, Robert. Do you know him? I've never heard of Adam Lee, Robert. No. Yeah, um, yeah you don't want to know him. Okay. Uh, if you want to know and look up Adam, Adam Lee, he just wrote some stuff about feminism and um, racism and harassment at an atheist. Oh. Oh. And he wants you to stop it. Well, I, I, well, I'm sure. I'm sure if I study up on him, I'm sure I can offend him. No problems. I'm usually fairly yeah. good at that. Please do. He could use some offending. I don't think he could offend him. But yeah, he needs to be offended. Yeah. yeah. Well, by, by fact of matter, you're atheist, then you got your being offensive card, right? Oh, yeah. You know, Robert, <laughs> the only reason you became an atheist is so you could be addicted to people. That's what this dude says. That's, that's exactly right, because then I, I can offend all people of all beliefs equally. Yeah, and, yeah. and I should be allowed to do that. Yeah, you're an equal opportunist offender. I am. I am. Sometimes I just say offensive thing, and I don't even mean to say it. And then someone says it's terribly offensive, but that's all right. I offended your. What they expect from you? Yeah, I offended your poor little friend on Facebook the other day, didn't I? I don't know. I didn't even follow that. 
She hasn't said anything about it, so I just left it alone. Yeah, because I put, I put, because you were in I pain said, without going into it, and then I rubbed it in worse as a joke, and then she said, "How could you do that?" And then she blocked me, and I could never see anything, and then I, I had to. No, what does she expect from you, anyways? I mean, you're a dick. That's why you're an atheist. Just, just because I said dick. our S and M play was a little on the rough side, and and yeah. then and then I said you got a Steve Irwin fetish. And I'm your Aussie lover, and I bring my own crocodile. And she said, "Watch out, us! I'll kick you from over here." And I said, "What left or right?" <laughs> and then she just she went. And then I and then I had to leave a message with you, like, "I've done it again. I've upset someone." And then and then I said, "There's a box of Prozac in the mail for her if she can forgive me." She was just being um, protective of me because I helped her out with something. Yeah, because you were defending. Have they started shifting that idea of it's your fault if you're offended into victim blaming? Definitely. Why? Yeah. Okay. Good. Because I, I explained that to someone. I was doing a stage at a restaurant yesterday where I'm, I'm leaving my current job and going to a new job. And I was doing a test run at my new job, and he was like, dude, you know it's a kitchen. We say offensive stuff. And I was like, dude, if I'm offended, that's on me. That's because right. Because you can throw whatever you want to out there. If, if I get offended, I chose to be offended. Yeah, that's, like, it, that's right. And he was he was like, "That's an interesting way to look at it." I was like, "That's how, how <laughs> that the world is." Really, that's an interesting way to look at it. Well, how else would you look at it? Yeah, I was well, like, "Dude, it's it's my choice to be offended. I can either be like, oh, I'm not offended,' or I'm offended." Yeah, that's exactly right. It depends how much of a martyr you want to play with it, uh, and some things aren't that offensive. And 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 the basis of a lot of comedy is actually sort of offensive. Yeah. So, someone has itself, to. Yeah. yeah, you have to tote that line. You have to play with that line, and you have to cross it sometimes. Yeah, so that's that's why we're so worried here in Australia. Hopefully, uh, September when the election comes, we're going to kick our prime minister out because they are they were trying to affect legislation here about if you offend someone, the onus is going to be on you to prove that you didn't offend them. Yeah, where is that shit? Is that, is that why is that why Jim Jeffries moved to America to make his show? It, well, it could well be. It, it could well be. But I reckon they're going to get kicked out. I really don't like their chances of of surviving another term. But the, but that is the sort of thing. Um, and and of course, you know that 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 happens a lot. It happens a lot here. If you if you say something, you're at risk of offending everybody. But yeah. it's it, that's just it. How it is. I mean, there are. I suppose there are some things that are offensive. I guess, like if you were to get a Holocaust survivor and. I guess start making Hitler jokes. That is sort of offensive, but it, it's kind of mean. It, well, it, it is. Yeah, me- it, it, that, that's just rude and in, discourteous. It's not offensive. Oh, come on, Brian. It's, it's all context, right. and, and sub- right, it's very subjective. Well, well, everything is, but it's it's getting to the point now. We're be, we're becoming so so namby pamby that you just. You'd be frightened to say anything, you know. You're frightened. I don't know. To... Are we becoming that but, way? I don't no. think we're becoming that but, way. But, I just think we have this 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 group that is just being vocal about it. And yeah, th- yeah, I agree with you, Reap, on that. Yeah, well, there's very much just people that are bitching about it because they are offended. Right, but and, the, the, the biggest fucking problem is that we're not telling people that if you're offended, like for instance, if I was seriously offended by all the Canadian stereotypes that Brian is constantly throwing out, yeah, I if know. I really, if I was, I would say. Brian, I wouldn't do it on air. First of all, I'd probably talk to him. I'd say, Brian, you know, those those things actually do bother me a little bit. Mm. Would you mind like laying off a little bit? Stop on me, Brian. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would totally stop if you did that. But we've had talks, and you know, I love Canada more than America. You anyway. And, and you would definitely use the word "out" as opposed to "out" as well. See, so yeah. 
I'd be like, after this out. You Wait, what, what's your name again? <laughs> My name is Bastard Australian. Yeah, yeah. Guaranteed okay. to offend everybody. Robert Darby, okay. he's the host of the Dumb Down Atheist podcast. Yeah, the bastard, okay. a bastard podcast. I'm just going to call you fuckhead from now on. Okay, okay no worries. I will wear that. I with... thought we just called them all rude. I'm so glad when my friends get along. It makes me so pleased. When my friends <laughs> That's Mr. Fuckhead to you, Canadian maple syrup eater. <laughs> I thought we just called them Canada rude. versus Australia. Who's going to win? No, but we're, we're in the same <laughs> boat, though. Bears. Yeah, drop bears. You want to watch out for them, mate. Uh, no, we're in the same boat, though. Yeah, because uh, they're t- fucking real. T- yeah, exactly, T-Man and, and, and us Aussies, because we're still under the heel of the British colonialism. So we actually have more in common than yeah, we'd like to admit. That's right. Yeah. Good point. But don't, I, I thought the Canadians actually don't. Don't you have a fairly healthy respect for the Queen? Are you proud you have the Queen of Canada, who's also the Queen of Britain, or do you hate her as much as we all do? Uh, she's she's more of a figurehead than anything else, but yeah, I know there is an, an unhealthy respect for the monarchy. Yes, yeah, <laughs> in Australia we have respect for no one, so as a result, we've we've had years of railing against that sort of stuff. Well, you must but... be a really good ambassador for your country. Oh, oh hell yeah! I've been thrown out of better places than this. Let me tell you. <laughs> I believe that too. And only Dude, are you a fan of Jim? Are, are you a fan of Jim Jeffries? Do you know who that is? I wouldn't have the faintest idea who he is. He's he's a stand. He's a, he's an atheist comedian from Australia, and he has a TV show here in America called Legit. Uh huh. But he's a stand-up comedian from Australia, and all of his jokes are. Really fucking good. He talk, he makes fun of the Bible constantly. Right. I'm sold. Well, watch the show legit. I mean, I'll, or that, or just fucking look up Jim Jeffries and watch his bits on YouTube. He's fucking hilarious. I will do that, or I'll just download it illegally like all of us Australians do, and I'll find oh, out who he is. Yeah, do that. You'll get a lawsuit against you. We talked about that earlier. Ooh. We're not frightened. We we were sent to Australia as convicts. What do you think we? I was going to say you guys are all criminals over there anyway. That's right? right. I mean, come on. I mean, what what what? Descendant, descendants. They have internet down there. I thought they just had like fucking. You put a flag up and a kangaroo brings it over in the pouch. Oh, here no, we go. No, actually, no, I know, Brian talking I, shit again. I have a bunch of illegal asylum seekers in my backyard peddling bicycles as we speak to sort of generate the electricity to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Better watch out, Brian. He's gonna send one on a boat over to your house. Oh, that Brian oh, man, that's awesome. That is awesome. Okay. <laughs> before we uh, before we wrap up the show, I'm gonna. I do, just uh, got here. Yeah, you know what? It's not my fucking fault. You're late. That's all right. You're the, you're on the tail end of my show. You're now in the last ten minutes. No, I'll let you speak. On you speak. Oh, I won't. Your show again? Am I on your show again? I've still got the bit we recorded. So Dude, he's just co-opting your show. I know. I yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can sue me. Go ahead. See if I care. <laughs> I gotta sue you. I know you ain't got no money. That's right. A bunch of Australian <laughs> criminals stealing other people's radio shows. Yeah, well, <laughs> what are you talking about? Earlier in the show, I stole some other guy's show for mine. So what the fuck? I, I think our dollar's worth more than yours, though, at the moment, which is quite, which is quite good. We're well, sort of good. I wouldn't go around bragging about that. Yeah, but when when I was a kid, uh, you needed two Australian dollars to get one American dollar, and now it's ridiculous when they say the Aussies trading at you know one point two American dollars. So um, we we enjoy a, we're enjoying a real uh, uh, good time at the moment because when we buy sort of like internet time in US dollars, we do well. Isn't that all relative though? I mean, like no, having sex with your cousin is relative. 
<laughs> and you have to okay. live in Tasmania for that to happen. Sorry to the Tasmanians. No, go ahead, Brian. <laughs> well, no, like with with an exchange rate. I mean, it's just a uh, this equals this. I mean, if you came over here, your dollar would buy a magazine, and if I went over there, two dollars of mine would buy a magazine. But the value, because like the base rate of pay would be, I guess, equivalent. You, you got to remember, it's all a conspiracy by the Illuminati. Okay, this is yeah. None of this is real, right? None of this is real. You're not real. I'm not real. None of us are real. Okay, so it really. Oh, hold on, I've got to put on my smoking jacket and smart guy cap. That's right. Tell that story again. <laughs> that never our, helps, Brian. <laughs> our Flanian pobble beads are worth as many as your Flanian pobble beads. Don't ever forget that. Okay, this is just. <laughs> all right. Forget it. We're all living in like a North Korea, but we just don't realize it. Keep going, Brian. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife likes the music of just south of there. Okay. You guys are done. I'm dicking around. We got to wrap this. <laughs> she likes Gangnam Style, does she? Any other? No, st- she likes like Big Bang and fucking Two Any One and a bunch I, of other I've South Korean pop. On fucking this, this uh, Korean pop. Dude, she started pop. watching the fucking Korean version of like Twenty Four oh, or whatever. It's like all subtitled. She had to go through like some sort of fucking proxy to get to the website. But now she's just there. She's like, they finally uploaded one with subtitles so I can watch this show. Are you really I'm that? Like, what the fuck is it? Are you really that exciting to live with, are you? <laughs> My exactly. wife would sooner watch South Korean soap operas than converse with me. Holy. Yeah, we don't hang out. Oh, man. I'm always busy doing radio shows, talking to people in other countries to make fun of me. <laughs> Okay, we got to wrap this up before somebody gets hurt. <laughs> can someone can someone listen to my episode 35C? It will be tailed off with this bit. We went to a bed and breakfast on the weekend, the wife and I, and it had see-through doors. Nice. Mm. <clears throat> but we didn't watch any Korean soap operas while we were there. But anyway. But you didn't have to. You could watch the people in the next room. No, they were watching, yeah. they were watching us. That's what I was worried about. Kinky. Mm. <laughs> Well, happy birthday, right, you bastard. To, you have been listening to Reapso Radio with um, Terry, Brian, and, of course, Robert Darby, who's here late. I'm glad you listened. We'll be here next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, Robert. Yeah, okay. Very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so, um, everybody want to give their, their goodbyes? I'll run through. Terry gets to go first because he was on from the beginning. Uh, yep. Uh, well, you can see my blog at uh, analyzeatheist.tumblr.com. And uh, happy birthday tomorrow, Reap. Thank you. All right, uh, follow me on Twitter at Brian Allen, APTJ, and everything else I do is at apartmentj.com. Last but definitely not least, Mr. Darby. Timey kangaroo down sport. Timey kangaroo down. Timey kangaroo down sport. Not allowed to take your allotted time and to sing. We talked about that already. (laughs) There would be no singing on this podcast. (laughs) All right, the Dumb Down Atheist Podcast. I'll do it for you if you can't do it yourself. Thank you very much. What the hell? And I'm going to wrap up uh, today's broadcast with um, one of my favorite songs in the whole wide world. And I'll see you Tuesday. Gangman style. Birthday, which is... Avenged no, so, no. Thrice. Okay, we're out. Okay. I still can't stop listening to that Avenged Sevenfold song, dude. You got to listen to Thrice, too. They're good. Okay. I'll check them out. <sighs> Thanks, guys. Bye, guys. Yeah, yeah. no problem.
I'm going. Thank to... you, Mr. Darby. It's always as always is a pleasure to have your um, input. It's a pleasure to be had. Let me tell you, but more lube, <laughs> I know, baby. Sure it is. I knew you were going to say that. More lube. <laughs> I'm going to hang up on you now. Okay. You okay. Well, I usually hang up on you, so that'll be a first. I've, I've oh, got wait. plenty of hang-ups. There they go. Goodbye. And I think it's goodbye from us now because um, that was apartment. No, that was Reapso Radio, wasn't it? And I just wanted to say, you heard me. It, it doesn't matter. Who, it doesn't matter. Come on, sing with me now. I'll speak to you on the next one. I had a lot of stuff prepared, but that's all gone to shit. See you later, troops and guys and girls. See you later, Christiana. See you later. Who are my friends? Who are my friends? Hang on, just let me look up my friends. I've got so many of them, and they're just they're sometimes it's... Oh, hang on, let me look up my Facebook friends. Oh, man, I was so tired yesterday. I fell asleep. Come on. Oh, who sent me two messages? Nobody of any great interest. Let me have a look at my friends list. I'll look at my friends list. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. My friends list. Goodbye to some of these. Oh, far out. Come on. Quick. This is supposed to be a snappy ending. Goodbye to Simon, Dominic, Andrew, Alyssa, Gavin, Steele, Roy, Reap. DJ Maynard, Mariomi Teapot, I don't know if she listens, Frank, what's his name, Gr- uh, Felchi, Grogan, Thingo, Mikey, Con, Rob, Chris, Roger, Ivan, I don't know if you even listen, Sam, not sure, Terry Kelly, don't know, Alice Knight, Chris Guest, Nathan Kilbury, darling, how could I forget you? Um, if I've forgotten anybody else, if I have, I'm really sorry. Costa, Andrew, John, Nev, Fiona, Julie, Joe, Mabel, Lee Mitchell, darling. See you, Chris, um, Patrick, uh, Ratfink, uh, Bunker. And that's it. Goodbye. Speak to you on the next one. Hopefully we might have our little um, um, ex-exorcist person. Bye, darlings. It's been average. It's 4 a.m. and you're lonely and your heart's about to break. And he's still out in the town tonight in a drunken purpose day. You ought to do something about him because he's lower than a snake. And the stories he's been selling you are all cheap and worthless fakes. Why don't you take a chance, make a stance, and rid him from your life? Until that day that you stand up, he'll never spare your pride. He'll cheat and lie, God knows why, I guess he's just made that way. Why don't you take a chance, make a stance, and make a grown man cry? I must admit, when you both met, your eyes were all aglow. Give him all the love in the world, you got nothing in return. So why drown in tears while he's out there playing all those streets of shame? The only way some people learn is when they're feeling pain. Why don't you take a chance, make a stand to rid him from your life? Until the day that you stand up, he'll never spare your pride. He'll cheat and lie, God knows why, I guess he's just made that way. Why don't you take a chance, make a stance, and make a grown man
Make it today without delay. Watch life without a chance. A broken heart ain't much to lose for the promise of romance. And you might find some peace of mind when you follow in your dreams. And not some sordid love affair or one of his in betweens. Why don't you take a chance? Make a stance and rid him from your life. Until the day that you stand up, he'll never spare your pride. He'll cheat and lie. God knows why. I guess he's just made that way. Why don't you take a chance? Make a stance. Make a grown man cry. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.